From climate change, to DEI and social justice, to economic inequality and workers' rights, a range of global challenges are at the forefront of people's minds. As we emerge from the COVID-19 pandemic, business leaders are looking for guidance on how to respond, how to do better not just for their shareholders, but for their people, their planet, and the broader communities they're a part of. There's no shortage of ideas on what is needed, but very few companies have succeeded in putting those ideas into practice. As part of Intentional Futures' own stakeholder-centered strategy initiative, CEO Michael Dix is embarking on a journey, a series of conversations with business leaders on what's to be done. Join us as we hunt for the how. Our guest today took a small family-owned furniture company and increased its size tenfold over a 10-year period through innovative marketing, product development, and world-class lean manufacturing techniques. Jeff Koss, president of Koss Tailored, is a respected business influencer and systems teacher with cross-sector leaders from all over the region coming to learn from his company's processes. What I'm most excited about in having Jeff on is that he has spent his career developing and improving the process of operationalizing purpose. Uh, and I can't think of a better way to kick off season two of Hunt for the How than having Jeff on and sharing with us uh, everything that he's learned and how he approaches this work. Jeff, great to have you here. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. And I have one other person to introduce you all to. Um, excited to uh, bring on a co-host for this season, Chris Anibaro, Director of Stakeholder Centered Strategies here at Intentional Futures, is going to be joining me for this entire season of The Hunt for the How. Chris, Awesome to have you here as well. Hey, I'm thrilled. I'm excited. I'm excited to get this show kicked off. All right. Well, why don't you take it away? I think I will. Jeff, we're, we're happy you're here as, uh, as Michael shared. And um, well, let's just start by introducing you, you know, to the audience here, those that maybe don't know you. Why don't we just start with something simple and just tell us a bit about who you are and a bit about cost tailored in the intersection between the two. So I kind of live my life uh, to... Uh, hopefully succeed as a dude and a husband and a father. And business has always been kind of my my fourth or fifth passion. Uh, and that doesn't mean it doesn't get attention. But uh, I learned really early in life that if I su succeed at business and fail at home, that uh, that didn't uh, make me a happy guy later in life. So um, today I, I'm, I'm a president of a, a family business, as you mentioned before. So uh, we've been around for about 40, 45 years, uh, started by my father and and a cousin, and uh, I think we're known for building things, uh, furniture, airplane parts, things that go in space, uh, things that fly presents around. Um, uh, but our real passion is really uh, using the, the work itself as a platform for growing people. And so uh, while we're super proud and uh, super grateful for all of the physical things that we've put into the world, um, it's the learning that that's given us uh, to uh, maybe uh, share with others to say, hey, how do we allow work to feel a lot more like hobby? And how do we do that in community, uh, uh, not just to bless a, a shareholder, uh, but maybe the people doing the work and uh, customers, of course, but uh, maybe a generation or two uh, forward of us. Yeah, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll chime in here. It's such a beautiful idea that your company builds things, but your actual purpose is growing people. Can you talk a little bit more about how you got there? Because it's not obvious, it'll seem counterintuitive to most. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's actually a moment of conviction. Uh, so uh, we we get asked to help people learn about lean manufacturing or uh, Toyota thinking uh, in a variety of places on the planet. And uh, one of those places uh, is is in Europe in Holland, uh, helping uh, healthcare organizations. And I was literally standing in front of a group of people teaching, uh, yeah, a story that shouldn't be repeated. But uh, um, a woman asked me a question. I was basically describing a dog going to the bathroom uh, in a building. And uh, she asked a question, who's the dog? And I realized, oh, it's me. And I am crapping in my own house. Like, I'm the one who's hurting the people. I, uh, 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 with a responsibility that's been entrusted to me, am violating the laws of the universe and hurting people. Uh, with the way that I lead the company. And it also uh, was really clear at that moment that I was hurting my, my family, my wife, my kids. Uh, so uh, really, it was a, a, a real flip of a, of a moment standing in front of a bunch of people. I was actually crying, which I don't like to do in front of people. I'm like, dang it, it's me. Um, and uh, I got to change. And 
uh, I recognized it was like literally, I don't know, I might've been stoned, but I don't, I don't, I don't smoke stuff, but I literally was like, my head's exploding. And I'm like, Oh, why have I spent so much time trying to improve a piece of furniture? Oh, we're over here. We're trying to save lives with people that we don't even, we're not related to. And then, Oh, wow. Why haven't we put, applied this to our marriage or friendships or uh, soccer teams? So really it was just a moment that it was a gift uh, through the act of trying to love our neighbors in the Netherlands that the gift came back, which was this conviction moment, which is, oh, why haven't we applied the same thinking to the development of young men and women and our marriages, our friendships, whatever, so. That's amazing, I mean, so many questions from that. I guess, how long ago was that? And then what what did that lead to shortly thereafter? Uh, what it led to was just, uh, uh, I, I like to tell people publicly who I'm trying to become so that I can be held accountable to that. and. And what it usually normally sounds like is, hey, I'm trying to be a guy who loves my neighbors. I tell people so that when I'm not loving, they could say, hey, you said you want to love your neighbors. That was really unloving. So I'm willing to put in writing and actually put publicly, this is who I'm trying to be. And I'm doing that intentionally because I know I alone, I'm not strong enough to get there. But I know that if I'm open enough with where my intention is, uh, that I might be able to get there. So uh, the immediate uh, drive was I was on a 10-day trip day two, and I just wanted to go home. I wanted to go home and apologize to my wife, apologize to my teams. And, and, and really, uh, it's, it's kind of a, a, a starting process of confession and then the process of repentance of like, well, what am I going to do about it now? And this is where your podcast, The Hunt for the How, because well, how do you position? And we were very much a product company, and we still are. We still make stuff. How do we actually tr change the direction of the organization while we're flying to being all about growing people? And we're not there yet. We're not anywhere near there yet. Um, and so I'd say it's taken us a while to understand, well, what does that actually mean? And then how does that manifest itself in the, in the way that we operate? And, and so it's, it's driving everything to say, really, hey, we're going to be about growing people for a living. We're telling everybody. Um, and we're not there yet. And I have a bunch of people saying, you're a hypocrite. You don't do that. And so some people would say, Oh, you're a morally corrupt person. And the answer is, yes, I am. But I'm also willing to tell you I'm morally corrupt. I know it. I'm biased. I'm racist. All the things that are involved with being a human being on the planet. However, I am willing to say we are going to do this. And I'm creating a gap between where I'm at and where we're hopefully going so that all of us together can a little bit move after that thing. And I don't know if I'll get there. I don't know if we'll get there. Uh, but I'm certain, certain that this is what my calling is. And uh, yeah, and we'll find a way to to get there. So the way you're describing that, it's almost as if your purpose is an extension of you and your own aha. Does it have to be? I mean, you've probably come in contact with a lot of different organizations um, who are trying to think through and take stands around, you know, their commitments and, and uh, maybe who they are going to become. And I'm just curious, like, what's your thinking around that? Yeah, that's a good question. I think it can be the power of a mission that we collectively embark on, right? So, um, uh, at least in my case, it is a closely held company. And I'm, I'm asking myself a question long before there was a thing called stakeholder equity and all these things. Having a conversation with my wife saying, why do we own cost tailored? Is it to make us rich? Is it to make our kids rich? Is it to make our customers wealthy? Like, why, why do we even have it? And we agreed... Uh, probably early, somewhere in that six-year time period, it's missional. We're trying to live out our lives, live out our values in the context of a, of a, a, work, a workplace. So my answer to that is based on my context. If I'm in a public company, uh, which I, I consult with a lot of times, I'm really trying to strive for what is the power of the mission? What are we trying to achieve together? What is something worth dying? What's worth killing the company over? And, and then decide whether, the, the, whether we can afford that, that vision. So it's really... What is this uh, thing that we're willing to die on or, or you know, kill a company over or go for? And is it even achievable? And then, of course, you have to go to the people who put their money in and the communities that have invested and say, is this what you want to do with our organization? And so, uh, so I would say the answer is depends on the context. But if you don't have a, a strong why, you're, you're going to lead a life of mediocrity. So any organization that doesn't have a, a real sense of this is who we are, this is who we're becoming. Um, and I would just say that 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 uh, that that's a that's a dead end for I think any organization. Yeah, and then would that have to be the same for the the human beings, the individuals, the people, the leaders? Like there might be an organizational like why, but like I'm also hearing you have like a personal why that's driving all of this. Is that that necessary? Because like, you came at it from a place of I'm creating harm as opposed to I'd like to improve something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
I, I think it's a good question. What, what we're looking for here is we're asking for the leaders who have, are pivoting from, okay, I'm leading a company, I have authority in a company that builds furniture. And I'm asking them to decide, do you want to be uh, a leader in an organization that grows people with a byproduct being even better furniture? And um, I'm not willing to fire them today, like because they're really good men and women who've done a lot to do this. So I'm asking them to, to help me make the mission bigger than Jeff. Um, and that's why, you know, we put it in writing what we're trying to achieve, but there is a very legitimate question that needs to be asked. Do you want to be, um, uh, in authority over an organization that's going to be hell bent on growing people for a living? Um, I'm a greedy business person. I actually think this is the best way to make money, right? So I'm not doing this cause I'm nice, right? I, I, I mean, I might be nice, but you, you have to decide for yourself, but I actually believe that this meaning can be shared by the group of people. And it is important for them to not only have a, uh, an opportunity to say no, um, but also an opportunity to say yes and know what that means. I love a lot of what you're saying. I mean, um, uh, and just being, calling yourself out as a great person. Uh, I know that's a little tongue in cheek, but, but it foots well with uh, a lot of what we talked about in season one, which is this is not about pure altruism. This is actually about maximizing your potential as an organization and as people collectively doing something, which can take a lot of different forms including uh, doing really well economically and, and competing effectively. Um, so I, I love hearing that. And I love that you're also to having the courage to declare where you want to get to, invite people in on that, be patient as they maybe process it. And uh, to Chris's point, make it a little personal for themselves um, in their own way, which may take time. Um, maybe before, I, I'm, I'm dying to get into your laws to outcomes framework, but before we do that, uh, maybe set the stage a little more and just tell us more about the success that you've seen since you had this epiphany and have uh, embarked on this journey. Because it sounds like you've actually already realized some some real business benefits. Uh, there's a framework I think we discussed and, and we can share here is there's a framework that we, we tend to, to use is uh, today what's happening in the business. Um, tomorrow might be maybe capabilities that we want to add uh, in the next you know one to three years. And the day after tomorrow might be, hey, who are we becoming in five years? And the way after tomorrow is, hey, what is, what, what, who are we becoming? Um, most of the initial benefits when you start applying principles, which we can talk about, it's uh, usually just a minor change to a, a system that you have that says, hey, let's be more intentional about loving one another. So can we add to our daily, how's the work doing? How's the furniture? Add to that a daily, hey, how's the person doing? basically taking the culture that we had of improvement. And now we're, we're basically trying to say, well, what can we do to improve our ability to grow people a little bit every day? So actual business results or outcomes are things that I think will influence. But I think a lot of the outcomes when you're growing people for a living will be felt outside the business. And we celebrate those, which we didn't used to. And they might be in the home. It might be a different employer inside the business. It might be three years from now. It might be five years from now. It might be immediate. But I, I, so in a lot of cases, I know this is right. I know we're aligned to principles, which means I know the influence over outcomes is increasing. Uh, and that's really how we live. So um, in terms of successes or failures, I'd just say um, I would be extremely prideful to say something good that happened is a result of this. What is a heck of a lot more clear, though, I can say with certainty is I'm convicted. And I know that my uh, leadership here is, is, a, is a gift from anybody that chooses to work here. So right now, they're letting me lead them through a change. That, that's a very specific outcome that I can measure today and say, hey, people are allowing me to still lead. And uh, I know that the, the toughest part of leadership is knowing what the heck we want. So at least I know what we want, and I can start communicate that and now get feedback on the things that aren't so great. But I would, it'd be too crazy to say, oh, it's because of this shift. I can see massive growth in the human beings, but I don't know exactly where that's going to pay off. But I don't think it works that way. I mean, what you're describing, for example, is just you know setting up like what's the what's the condition that we want to see occur, and then one of the ways that you see that expressed is through behavior. And um, I don't think that I'm hearing you say you're ditching the traditional um, you know metrics that are typically aligned to finance, right? Like what's the ROI on retention or engagement, et cetera. Those are important to you. And what I think I'm hearing, you're just also saying. You know, what's the ROI on giving your mom a hug? Yeah. 
Yeah. So we didn't stop measuring things that matter to our customers in terms of the product that we make. Um, and we don't know how to measure how much uh, love was shared in the exchange between your, you, you and your mom. Uh, but we still know it's true, right? And so, uh, so the question is, how much metricing do you do? We know that these things were aligning to laws of the universe. So therefore, we know there'll be good stuff. And um, honestly, if you think about it, that's a really good analogy is we set up the room uh, so electricity can happen, but the actual spark, don't really understand that. Um, so, so I can look at it and say, boy, we set up all the conditions for some really cool electricity. But when you actually say, did you make the electricity? I think I say, boy, I think I did, but I'm not sure. I wish I could tell you. Maybe this is a good opportunity to dive into laws to outcomes model that I, I see behind you, which we will share uh, with folks listening to this so you can actually have a visual as well. Um, because what I'm appreciating you say is there's a humility. Hey, we, there's only so much we control. And as long as we focus on the things that we can and it's directed towards outcomes that we care about and abiding by some truths, then we're doing our job and we will be succeeding in some way. But you're also measuring some things that you're trying to achieve because you're running a business. So it's a- Yeah, yeah. we're light on measurement compared to other companies because I don't normally have to answer to anybody outside. So there's, that's a, 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 say a feature and a defect of our business. But yeah, so the last outcome, uh, so this is something we've been playing with. And if I've copied somebody, I don't actually know that I did that. So if, if you're that person, we'll give you all the whatever credit for it. But it's a tool we use and we uh, found it to be uh, pretty useful. So uh, basically, it's the idea of, hey, uh, and, and this is, I think, related to, to the hunt for the how. As, is a lot of times in, in, in our consulting uh, work, it isn't all that crazy to think about what we want to see happen. Like a lot of times, you know, you get around a, a group of people and we can imagine a future where like, that's what we want. That's for sure we want. But how we get there is really tricky. And um, if that outcome, let's say, if you're in my shop, you're like, I really want that sofa. Uh, well, you know, that's an outcome that's actually fairly easy to predict. And we can tell you the how. There's a bill of materials. We order stuff, get cool people together. We make it and you've got something to sit on. But when we're trying to create a culture where human beings love one another, respect each other on a regular basis and create a generation of people who are more capable than they were before, but that outcome is super tricky. Um, so when I am running the business from a, I'm building a piece of furniture, I have very uh, easy closed system metrics I can use. How many minutes, how many hours, how many units of wood, but it becomes uh, really, really hard to trust metrics like that for the other things we're trying to achieve. So uh, in leadership, and what I mean by that is you have authority in an organization leadership, uh, uh, not necessarily leading a soccer team, whatever, but uh, yeah, we're looking for what are the outcomes that we're seeking? And a lot of times uh, we don't even know what those are. Uh, so, uh, and I'll go backwards and I'll go forwards to it. I think that that's easiest. So if I know the outcomes I'm looking for, um, let's say, um, uh, yeah, I, I wanna be really good uh, at skiing. Let's say that is, then I can actually look at the actions that good skiers take uh, to become good skiers. And then I can say, well, they took some actions. How did they get there to take that action? So they must've had plans. So uh, a good skier probably does some conditioning. They probably watch some video and they for sure schedule some ski trips. Um, then I can look and say, well, what do they treasure? Like, what, what do they treasure? What, what caused them to have those plans? Because they didn't go to the beach and they didn't go to, I don't know, Paris to study art. They actually made plans to go skiing. There must be some knowledge there. And then there's some laws in the universe that a skier is playing with that the more that they understand, um, it's actually a pretty scientific field. Uh, you can have better turns. So uh, as we look at the outcomes we want, um, one very specific thing that we're looking for right now is how do we make sure that every act that we do in our organization, that we actually know whether there's a blessing to the human beings involved. We're talking about how do we make sure that people know there's a connection between this act and their future? And we actually don't have the answer yet. We're going to work on that. So um, I think a little bit might be interesting to go the other way. So there's a lot of our habits are very much related to the laws of nature that we do know are true. So second law of thermodynamics, we know things go from order to disorder. So when I organize uh, and I know that that's a law, and when we say law, we just mean um, it doesn't matter what your political agenda is. It's true. It doesn't matter what you think about it. It's true. So gravity is one of those things. So the next step is knowing. So we can study these laws and learn about how they might up, uh, apply to what we're doing. And then we can, you know, certain uh, treasure certain things about that. So 
when we look at the, the second law of thermodynamics, we can say, do things really indeed go from order to disorder in our business? And we have found that to be extremely true in our world. No matter what we put in motion, it seems like it starts going backwards the day that you put it in place. So we treasure activities that restore order. We treasure activities where the people involved with that activity understand the why so that they can restore order. Uh, uh, so then we make plans that uh, are in line with that. So if we roll out a new idea, we're never rolling out that new idea without the act of well, how we audit it, how we take care of it, um, who's in charge of it, who's responsible for it. Um, how will we teach that? We have actual like plan, teaching plan, and how we make sure the teachers rotate so that they're teaching it. So then we could actually observe the organization. So you could actually come in with a video camera and say, what does cost believe? And you should be able to see abundant actions that says this company really believes that the second thermodynamic, uh, second law of thermodynamics, you should pay attention to it. You'll also notice that you know, you'll see people teaching frequently throughout the business. We know there's a law of the universe where human beings somehow uh, learn better when they're teaching or doing. So by design, almost all of our group activities have teaching built in. So uh, by uh, aligning to this high level upstream thing, if that informs the act plans and activities, then our outcomes become pretty crazy. And maybe I could play it back and then ask you to, to walk through a couple examples that really up, you know, directly apply to your business. But essentially you're saying, here's fundamental truth about the world that is inarguable. We, that is true. It affects us in some way. It's important to us because uh, it is affecting us. Let's learn about it. Let's figure out what we love in response to it or in that context. It could be fighting it. It could be accelerating it, applying it, whatever it is. Let's develop plans and actions. And that that is what will drive these outcomes or at least influence the outcomes in some way. Yeah. When we treasure something, it's just what is relevant to us in our organization. It's what part of this do we, what do we take out of this and glean and say, this is really useful to us. Um, and then when we talk about the electricity. So we're trying to create the environment for electricity all the way up through the actions that we take. But there are some outcomes that we just, um, if we try to plan the outcomes, honestly, we always aim short. The best outcomes I can ever describe to you, like the one I'm talking to you about uh, on a stage in front of a bunch of Dutch people, me crying. Because I've never written a business plan that said, go someplace, love them, be tired, have this moment on a stage where your whole world flashes in front of you and you realize that you can be a better husband, father, business person. And oh, by the way, maybe bless the whole world with this. Shoot, I got to go home. So, so a lot of times business people are aiming at the how to get the outcome. And what I want to encourage, uh, uh, a, a question anyways, is, hey, how do we set up the environment for outcomes that are even better than we can think of? Yeah, it's kind of an ode to serendipity. Uh, create the conditions for great things to happen and then ride the universe. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, exactly that. And celebrate it and don't take credit for it, right? So the, the, this is the other, I think, pride issue is a lot of times I take credit for the awesome things. And then when the bad things come, I'm like, well, I didn't do that. Like, that was their fault, right? So, yeah. So it's, it's to us, actually, that's why we call it a harvest where we can say, we plant the seeds. Yeah, we stirred the dirt. We poured some water on it. And there's a harvest. And we did our part. But frankly, there's some other things that happened. What I love about the framework is that it's, um, it's, it's teachable, right, which is important. So I'm curious, how many folks in your organization know this framework? Yeah, this one is a tough one. So uh, meaning, I would say, uh, we divide our organization from uh, there's a, the open system part, which is the president, office of president, office of general management. So we think in the day after tomorrow. So we think about what does the company need to become and shall we put this into the hopper to do it? Um, then we have the semi-open team, which is mo most of the folks who run the project and the improvement activities and also the they manage the day-to-day. -day. And then we have the, the closed system or the today team. So in the day after tomorrow open team, for sure, all of us have a pretty big discussion on it. And I'd say in my open team, because of the way that you and I hang out, is there's a lot of people in my open team who don't work here. So there's this network of uh, people who um, are interested in thinking about this stuff that uh, um, there's, you have to have a little bit of a mind for it. If I share this with uh, some of my, my colleagues who are currently learning the closed system, they're like, okay, so what do I do now? Uh, so there's there's a, a risk there. So I'd say there's only maybe 
three or four in my business, but there's probably 40 outside of my business that I use um, from a consulting perspective. This is a magic tool because we can just say, hey, uh, let's just audit your company. You know, what do you say you want? Okay, those are the outcomes. Um, hey, I was in your factory yesterday and none of that crap's happening right now. Let's talk about that. Right? So the dog walks through and sees all the stuff. We're like, you don't really, you're not doing that stuff. So let's be honest about it. So as an audit tool, so this is actually something we use all the time when we're trying to help other organizations and leaders. Uh, it's uh, less known inside my four walls. Hmm. Yeah, I love that you, you have the, uh, you, you see the metaphor of the dog as the auditor, which I, I take to mean, look, if it's not like very observable to someone who knows nothing about this, then probably not happening and you should take notice of that. Exactly that, yeah, exactly that. I'm wondering if you can maybe walk us through an example of how you um, have applied this thinking to help um, an employee or a group of employees realize their full potential, whether it's through their personal development or maybe through their um, career development, the development in operations. I'm not sure, but just just so we can just like, you know, visualize what that looks like. Yeah. Uh, so I can give you a, a few conceptual, but I'm going to start with where we want to be. So where we want to be is if somebody comes to our organization, we want them to be coming to us because they heard that this is a place where they can uh, prosper, that they can grow their resume. And so that if this company creates opportunities for them, that they may apply their, their skills here. And if it doesn't provide opportunity for them, that they're really prepared for that next job. So some of the best success stories are actually folks that worked here for a short period of time and now work at uh, tech companies making a lot more money than we can make you know, building furniture together. And um, there's three guys right now working at a place that I don't want to mention, but it's very much, they come back to me. I'm still in, in community with them. I wouldn't say coaching them, but you know, let's say peer mentoring one another to say, this is a success story. So, and it's kind of funny that my younger generation colleagues have picked this up right away. They're like, yeah, let's go for it. And one of them, you know, is, is actually coaching some people from my company. He's all, I'm living out your dream, Jeff. I'm like, yeah, that's awesome, Josh, but we haven't got the rest of the supply thing working yet. Uh, so that's it. That's, uh, but actually, the one guy who got this actually left the company and is, is bringing some of my colleagues to that bigger company. And it's a blessing to them. And it's a bit of a warning to my team inside to say, we've got to make this more true, more quickly, and do a better job of inviting other people into this. So that's, that's the, the, I guess, the grand vision is we want to be sending people uh, into the future, not necessarily away from the company, much more equipped than we have in the past. Um, some of the things that you've already experienced, Chris, is when you come on tour, our tours have always been designed so you're not hearing Jeff talk, but you hear us talk. And so there are lots of moments where uh, a lot of our employees are, are uh, first-generation Americans. So if they come over and pick you up and they talk to you in English to take you to the factory, and that's a really big day for them. If they do public speaking uh, to present an improvement that they've done, oh my gosh, a really big day. If they also then uh, do it on a, a virtual tour or they're starting to take some of the content, oh my gosh, that's a big day. So you've experienced that as just, you can name person, I saw them grow and you came here often enough to go, uh, boy, that person's totally, like I see the power, I see them differently today. So it's really in every moment that we're doing, we're trying to take these habits and say, they were designed to grow people, but I didn't tell people that. So that's a kind of a fail on my part, which is, hey, I think that you know, I designed it. It's like, okay, now here's a system, team train, train every day, just rotate the trainer, rotate the topic. It's founded in science. It's been awesome. But I don't think my middle part of the leadership said, hey, do you know why we do this? It's so that you learn, it's so that you grow, your public speaking skills are getting better, your coaching skills are getting better. Uh, th that's the missing link right now. So I'll just say that you're meeting us in the point of evolution that really the podcast will be much more interesting in three years to say, hey, so you tried some stuff, did it work? And, and right now I can just say, we're trying some stuff, we're building it out, we're rolling it out. I don't have success stories to repeat yet or to report yet. I don't know about that because folks keep coming back to learn from you. So there's something that's there that they want to see. Yeah, I guess that, I, guess, I think it is. And I think part of it is just how you answered like the very the the very start of that question where um, folks are graduating, if you will, from the time it costs moving somewhere, and your response isn't how do we you know correct this and you know um, you change course. It's oh how do we reinvest to make you know this even bigger? Like that that would feel like attention to some, right? That'd be like a retention problem, and you don't see that as a problem. No, no. In fact, I see the problem that we talk about retention in any form. It sounds a little bit like slavery. 
I, I, the, any of this manipulation to get somebody to stay in a place for my, for my reasons as opposed to their reasons, I feel pretty corrupt by. I want to make sure that they choose us because this is the best place they can be for today. And, and, and that is a big pivot for the team. Yeah, just to chime in on that, I mean, I've gone through personally as CEO of our company, you know, I rewired my thinking in a similar way where, you know, um, some attrition, you know, is there good and bad attrition? That's like when I was working at Microsoft, it's literally you're putting people in boxes is good or bad attrition and why, and, you know, are we happy they left or not? And, you know, and it's, it is very much about the company and our interests and not their interests. And now my scoreboard is like, hey, someone has a tour of duty at F and they move on to something better that they're excited about. Bing, lights up the scoreboard. That's a big win. And to your point, it's then like, hey, and if you're doing that really well, you need to recruit really well and constantly feed that and feed that, you know, get that system operating in a really healthy way. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I know something on your website, you show your alumni and, and, and that's a celebration. That's exactly like I can look at this and say, I knew we were aligned as soon as I got to that page. I didn't have to know anything else about you. This this is a group of people that um, is ahead of me on this, and uh, yeah, which I really appreciated seeing. That's great. Yeah, I mean, and and one thing through our conversations too, like a lot, we talk a lot about uh, the stakeholder ecosystem and the fact that one of the if we were to write a law, Chris and I were riffing yesterday on this, saying what what would the laws that we write? One of them is like, hey, you know, no matter what your organization is or does, it operates within and depends upon an ecosystem of stakeholders. You may not recognize that. You may think you have a simple business and all you do is make things and sell them to the customer. You're actually wrong. And so you and so like that if that's the law, then what do you actually need to learn about how to identify, understand and serve that ecosystem? So, so there is something about so there's a law that we exist as part of an ecosystem, right? So that's that is law regardless of what anybody wants to think about it. And what I'm hearing you say is we, and if we really do treasure or understand and understand how these uh, interrelated web is, we understand parts of it, I guess would be what you say. Yep. So, and we treasure the fact that we are, and oh my gosh, if we don't take care of the ecosystem, we can't do what we want to do. So therefore, we're going to make plans to talk about the ecosystem and we're going to try to learn as much as we can about that web so that we can take action daily to become a little bit better as a society. And who knows how awesome this could be. I mean, they're, they're, so you exactly explain how this tool works. I mean, and, and essentially, my, my belief is like, hey, then your job becomes making your ecosystem healthy, not just yourself healthy. And it leads to very different uh, ideas and things to focus on. Yeah. Which I think is important. We talked about that yesterday, too, where um, you have to understand the inputs into, let's say, a process and operation and, and what the outputs would be. But there's a way in which I think um, some of the default thinking is less about an ecosystem and an exchange of value and more about um, kind of bending the will of the ecosystem to see an extraction of value, right? Like you will supply me with this, you will create this and it will result, you know, in this output and, you know, um, yeah, only benefit a very narrow portion of those that are part of this. And so it's like the kind of a violation of that law and you maybe can get away with it for a period of time but it creates a lot of unhealth, a lot of harm. Yeah, it's it's super hard to have this mindset and um, actually work in the business environment that we work in today. Um, so the supplier, typical supplier cusp relationship with big companies, it's it's if you actually follow the big company, like what they're trying to do with us, we go out of business. It's very heavy-handed. It's very, it's 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 very much not aligned to the ecosystem. So, and I'm, I'm stereotyping, but I have enough big business uh, experience to say, uh, yeah, if I do what you say, we're out of business, do you guys care? And then the incentives in there is like, actually, I don't care. I just get a bonus if I get a lower price. So, so it, it is, I would say, a, a, a real big challenge for little companies like me to try to live this out. I can live it out as a, a, a voice. I can live it out as a consulting guy. But when it comes down to negotiating with big airplane companies, they're kind of after one thing, which is, yeah, you should move your factory to another country because that person is making, well, you know, not even 20 bucks an hour. They're making too much money. And we, we need that to be cheaper. And that environmental thing, uh, well, we got enough greenwashing. I mean, sorry, we have enough, uh, 
you know, credentials, right? So, so the world that we live in right now is very oppressive to the environment that, that we just described. Agree. And, and that's part of the, the reason we're going on this hunt is to help shift that a little bit, even nudge it a degree in the right direction. I wonder if we um, should shift a little bit and have you talk us through, I think you're calling it the destination model or? Sure. Yeah. Destination guide. Yeah. So, yeah. So if we say that we want to be really great at um, uh, growing people for a living um, or growing with them, uh, we, we started looking at, well, how will we communicate that? And uh, um, we're really blessed to have a lot of second generation, first generation Americans uh, in our company. I think we have uh, 12 languages spoken here. Um, and so we're, we're like, well, what is like very understandable everywhere around the world? And we're like, well, the bus map or the tube map in London, that people just seem to be able to get to an airport through some form of wayfinding. So we really took and said, well, what if we made our, our org chart a responsibility more like a destination guide? Hey, where do you want to go? Uh, and that first part of that question is, well, where are you right now? And uh, do you know where you're at? And frankly, most of uh, our uh, younger employees, myself included, I didn't know where I was at, didn't know where I wanted to go. But if somebody would have brought me over to the destination guide, I would have really been like, I don't know what they're talking about. So what this is, this is the destination guide. And this is, I think, in the public domain, the old one, and we'll release the new one soon. But uh, so, and it works kind of uh, where we have in the center of it. This is where our authority comes from. So authority comes from our mission. And it's really, uh, we believe that human beings exist to create value and shine light. So when we say uh, shine your light, it's like, hey, how do we work together to, to create a, a better version of you uh, while we're making the furniture uh, is a shorthand for that. Um, the closer your destination is to the center, the more authority you have. So my, my picture is closest to the uh, center, and that's because I have the most authority in my company. Um, and so uh, uh, the general manager is a little further out, and then uh, the positions I had when I was a kid we're very out uh, and the far out uh, part of it. So I'm closer to the customers, closer to the suppliers, because I talk to them every day, but I'm kind of far away from having the authority to do everything at an organization level. So um, there's kind of three ways we look at this uh, and music is a, is a useful way of looking at it. Um, uh, those in what we call the open system. So most of my work is looking at the system to say, what is the system doing? What is that environment doing? Listening, listening for feedback to say what's going on. And if you thought of us as musicians, uh, we would be the kind of musicians who can grab any instrument, play any song, and we just love to make music together. Um, the middle part is what we call the semi-open uh, or the tomorrow focus. This is the project-based teams, but they also oversee. Uh, so those would be the jazz musicians. They, they, they don't know exactly the notes they're gonna play, but they do know the key, they know the tempo. And they know that Chris is going to solo right before Michael. And then you know, Michael sometimes goes crazy. So there may or may not be time for Jeff, but there will be uh, there will be some solo action. And then the closer you are to the outside ring, that's the closed system. That's the today focus. That's where we're making things or running transactions. Um, and, and that's very much chamber music. Uh, that's going to be uh, play the ink. Don't solo. We're not playing ACDC. It's Beethoven. If you have an opinion someday, we'll gladly take it. But right now, just play the music, please. And so these are all destinations that uh, a person can take. So once we go through the people development piece, which I haven't shared with you guys, um, the, the people development process is just starts with connect. Who are you? Do you know where you want to go? Um, if you're interested in learning more, let us know. And if the answer is yes, then we start growing. We make a plan to grow. And that plan will include, hey, where are you at here today? Where might you want to go? What skill sets do you want to have, which are listed here? So these are competencies. What are the appropriate assignments that one might take on your journey? Let's say you're planning a trip to Europe. Uh, what, what are the destinations that might help you grow? And then the go part, connect, grow, go, is just really, okay, let's get to work. And it's uh, a series of activities and checks and statuses. So, um, yeah, so the destination guys really, uh, it, was, it was designed, let's say, five years ago, shortly after that visit. And I don't think it's ever been used as the destination guide. That's pretty bad, but it's, I, just, I don't think it's ever been really used where somebody has actually said, I'm Jeff, I'm here, I'm going to go there. There have been people moving and growing, but I don't think that I've done a good enough job of helping my leadership understand when you meet Chris, and once he's de developed trust, which is the first step in our competencies, 
please have a conversation with him. Tell him what's awesome about him. Ask him if he wants to be invested in. Ask him if he's willing to invest in himself. Make sure he knows that we're about prospering people. And oh, by the way, there's the map. Please use it to, you know, draw a, a, a path for him. I don't think it's ever been just like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do want to clarify one. So when you when you say uh, you don't think it's actually being used as a destination guide, do you really are you referring mostly to the last piece where people are not explicitly mapping, or do you mean like many of the intended aspects of it, like even having that initial conversation and letting people know that hey, our purpose is to help you realize your full potential. Let's talk about what you want that to be at the moment. That can change over time, and let's build a plan. And is it is it all of that stuff? I'm saying I'm saying all all of the above. I'm saying all of the above. So when we audited, like, hey, if we really want to be good about growing people, so this, this is putting it out in the public domain. Uh, just before COVID, I think we we made the manifesto change. You know, got it in, in writing, and it it mar- it marinates, and pretty soon, as you start studying your hypocrisy in it. It starts to create the tension of, well, we say we want to do this, but we're not. And by design, with system design, I, I, I think I shared earlier, I try to set something so it creates tension, so it causes me and the team to move. And so uh, so really, it's all those things. So when we we sat down and said, okay, what, what is it, this growth thing, people growth, what, we had to have a program for it. What is it going to look like? And, and we're like, well, dang, we got to, so uh, literally, I landed on Connect, Grow, Go with a colleague who's a one of these people I'd say that are in our network and uh, he landed on it. And we're like, Hey, can we use that too? He's like, yeah, it's really good. It's, it's really close to your truth that full thing. That's how we got it. So anyways, we landed on that and then we're auditing the system. And one of my uh, colleagues who happens to be in HR, so, you know, Jeff, we have all the growth tools here. They're all here. They're, they're just right here. We're just not using them. Right. We're not connected to the purpose. We're just kind of going through the motions. I'm like, yes, that's awesome. We got to do the connecting part. So I, I, what I want to say is, for sure, we are doing those things. For sure, is real. But have we connected it into that that intimate conversation where I actually care about your future, and I'm talking to you about using this as your platform? So I would just say the missing link in all this for us is that connecting piece. I've been in other places where the connecting is awesome, but they have no growth plan. They got no system. They got no way of actually making it happen. So. Um, I would just say this is the fun part of, of, of business is at some point you're like, oh, my blind spot. Oh, my gosh. Connecting. Uh, that's, that's for sure a thing I, I'm, I'm working on even as a, just a dude is, you know, connecting, connecting my own dang feelings, being able to name them and, you know, do root cause on it. So, yeah. So what I'm saying is, yes, it's been on the wall. People have talked and used it. But have we been systematic, as systematic as we are with developing airplane seats? Like you wouldn't believe the. I would say something in excess of 100,000 parts have been made 99.99% on time, 99.99% perfect, high mix, low volume for most of my career. I mean, there's very few companies who have won the silver award from Boeing for as long as we have. Like, I think there's 10 of us, 10 companies, all their supply chain. I'm not saying that to brag. What I'm saying is, is the embarrassment of, we're so good at that, yet this is amateur hour. I, I'm appreciating um, your humility and your dissatisfaction with the progress you've made so far. But, and I want to make you potentially at the risk of making you uncomfortable, I want to ask you to celebrate some of the progress you've actually made. Um, like, what are some of the changes that you've that you've been able to see? And not not that you personally own credit for these, but what are what has this um, manifest as and if you could t- tell us in terms of how your organization works and you're growing people but also business success because i know there's some people listening to this be like oh this sounds great but is he running a shittier business or is his business really really thriving you know like should i follow suit or is this perilous you know uh the company has we've been a manufacturing company in america so we, we uh, all of our competitors left america and went to china some of them are coming back. We've, we've been making in America and thriving for many years. So I hope to thrive for many years to come. Uh, so what I can absolutely celebrate, and, and, and uh, it's, 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 uh, I appreciate you asking, uh, please don't uh, take away from this conversation. I feel like we're bad. Um, it's just that we can be so much better. And if I don't create a dissonance between where we're at today and where I think our destiny is, um, we'll be lazy. 
Um, and a lot of guys my age at 54, they're like, hey, how are you going to sell the business? Uh, it's about retirement. It's about getting out. And, and I'm like, no, 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 I'm just clicking in. Like, there's so much more to accomplish. And if we don't take a look at where we're at and where we're going, so it's this gap that probably um, creates some of the uh, angst that you hear in my voice. And I'm, I'm unwilling to be dishonest or tra not transparent, so you get the full Jeff. Uh, so maybe you don't want it. Uh, so the celebration part is, okay, um, I can look around uh, me every day. Um, I can tell you uh, story after story after story of a human being who didn't know they were awesome um, and um, are now leading parts of our business that they, they weren't leading before. Uh, from an operational perspective, um, if there's a problem today in our business, it's almost always known today and dealt with today because of the systems that we have in place, which means that the cost of dealing that with a problem um, uh, has gone down pretty significantly. Um, the celebration part is really in the, also in the consulting part. So um, I can't tell you how many people that I get a letter from who've been on tour, like with Chris, and uh, a few years later in life will say, uh, my life changed. I'm a better husband. I'm a better, I'm a better mom. I, I changed some things. Uh, and I didn't, uh, it wasn't because of the COVID experience. It was something different. So, yeah, I, I know those aren't real specifics, but I can just say that uh, in my own world, the joy of work is uh, becoming more and more present um, in, in the things that we're doing. And um, it's, of course, joyful to create profit. I just think we make a mistake when we, we measure profit only in terms of dollars in the bank. Chris, anything else you want to close with, observation or question? Oh, I don't know that I have another question. I think that was such a such a great bookend to you know fantastic conversation. I think for me, it's just um, I I feel grateful that we got a chance to not only just spend some time growing from you, but like creating another opportunity to just amplify what you're up to and um, you know peeling back the get going into you know your journey is like peeling back. I don't know. It's not really an onion. It's just like a layered banana. Just lots of layers in there and juicy inside. So appreciating it. I'm walking away throughout this conversation. It's stimulating ideas that I want to play with and apply at intentional futures just to help us, you know, deepen our sense of purpose and, and the increase the impact we have. So thank you for that. It's been really stimulating and I hope folks listening along is the same. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's, let's stay connected. Yeah. Yeah. Stay connected and uh, we're open all the time. So we have people hanging out with us all the time. So I'd love to see you guys up here. Take care. Okay, you too. Wow, Chris, that was an awesome, rich conversation uh, that for me stimulated a lot of new ideas and also uh, connected to a lot of what we've been exploring. One of the things I'm really excited about having you with me on this journey in season two is that we can take a little time at the end of each episode to reflect and share ideas. So um, I would love to hear what what stuck out for you in this conversation. Oh, wow. I think it's going to be hard to nail it down. Um, some key things for me, uh, his clarity. Let's just start right there. So his clarity. Um, around three things, clarity around his purpose, uh, I think his purpose for himself and his organization uh, and pulling that through the clarity he had around frameworks to make that purpose real and come to life. Uh, and we'll talk about that as loss to outcome framework and um, the clarity that he has around some of the tools to teach and test this and really make, you know, he talked about the destination guide. We didn't get too much into strategy deployment or coaching habits, but he talked about them. Um, and so he's got enough clarity to begin to build something where he can begin to think about how these things harmonize or aligned and where they're out of alignment. And so it just gives him a chance to really grow, um, you know, what matters to him, which is serving others. Yeah. I'll just latch onto the very last thought, because one thing that struck me at the very beginning of our conversation with him is he's, he's a real servant leader. It's just the way he, he thinks about leadership and power. And it's something that you do on behalf of others, you earn from others. If you don't, you're not, granted that it's not a title and you could see that he takes that very seriously and he thinks of very broadly about who he serves you know well beyond the four walls of his organization and just looking to contribute generously and broadly uh through his work and obviously have that payback uh to his organization well because he's he's a good businessman as well um 
um, you would agree with this, that he is a, um, he's a systems builder, a systems architect, and he thinks about his job as the leader of the company is constantly improving that because that's the thing that enables the people within the organization to do the work that is actually having the impact that he and others want to have. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. When I think about like the how, um, one of those pieces of the how is having a sense of purpose and understanding where you come from uh, to create a destination. But I would say the other thing is knowing um, what role you play inside of that context. And so fully agree if if one of the roles then is to be thinking about where you're coming from and having purpose, the other aspect might be knowing um, the role you take as that systems architect, um, as opposed to someone who's just evangelizing or pushing outcomes and results. And um, I mean, he walked through the laws to outcome, got to have, you know, laws, what's true that governs predictable consequence. You got to have knowledge, treasure, plans, actions, outcome. Um, and inside of that, like, I think he made it pretty clear that there's this false trade-off that some of us maybe assume that you you can't do both invest in people and still create you know um you know margins and revenue gain it feels like for some of us if you invest in your people you have to pass that cost on to the customer and i think he sees it differently that if he invests in people he'll get better quality maybe lower costs because of innovation um and create a better outcome both for those involved in the production side as well as those who are involved in the you know um the customer side and i could, I could keep going but um you know, fully agree with that yeah I, yeah he basically has the abundance mindset that's shown through and it's uh, um really encouraging to me one of the things i like too latching onto the laws to outcomes framework was a couple aspects of this that i like one is a lot of what he's doing is trying to ground his thinking and his organization in reality more strongly and firmly than maybe a lot of business models do, which is to say, who do we actually depend on? What are the laws that are actually impacting uh, the world that we operate in and our success or failure? Um, and also a sort of humility or an acknowledgement or re reality check on how much control do you have of the outcomes that you're trying to make have happen. All you can do is actually cultivate greater likelihood that they will, that you will achieve those. You can't control those. So you're kind of, um, you're just doing your best with your system to, to uh, control what you can and being honest about that, as opposed to a lot of organizations um, generating ideas of false control over these outcomes. Agreed. So I think he's pretty clear. I can't control the outcome. What I do know is I can pay attention to laws that govern predictable consequences. He talked about gravity. We can disagree about gravity, but it's going to have the same consequence when we walk off a third story building. So for him, it's like, well, if that is true, it's going to govern predictable consequences. What are the systems that I have to build that align to those laws that generate a higher likelihood of an outcome I'm trying to achieve? Because I, I, don't have any control over that. And that to me just really stuck out around a key piece of the how. Yeah, for sure. Well, maybe we should uh, we should end there. I do wanna acknowledge that there, this was kind of a, a an abstract conversation in a way and hard potentially to track without the visual. So we will be sharing his frameworks and we'll be building upon and exploring a lot of these ideas in subsequent conversations to get a little, little more grounded in, in real world examples as others put similar ideas into practice. The Hunt for the How is a production of Intentional Futures, a strategy and design studio based in Seattle, Washington. This episode was produced and mixed by Gedney Barclay, who also created the original music. Our lead researcher and production assistant is Malia Nakamura, and I'm your host, Michael Dix. I encourage you to email me with any thoughts and questions to michael at intentionalfutures.com. You can subscribe to The Hunt for the How on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iTunes. Thanks for listening.